Wow, good morning, Hudson Valley. It is uh, great to be here with you all today. What a beautiful day and a beautiful space that you guys get to worship God on Sundays. I'm sure that you love uh, being here. I would be. Uh, and as has already been said, I want to say thank you and uh, honor and lift up all the fathers and father figures that are here today. Uh, you guys could give it up for them. And I hope you know that you are appreciated, you are needed, and you play a very big, important role. And I also know that for some, this is a harder day. And I do hope that today you can sense uh, God's closeness in a special way to you as your Heavenly Father. Now, I am grateful for my dad. Uh, my father uh, works hard for our family and also laid the foundation uh, of faith in my life. And I'm very grateful for him. And I'm also very grateful for Steve. Many of you know Steve is my father-in-law, and I'm very grateful for his role and his influence in my life, for uh, the dad that he is to Chelsea, for the pop-up uh, that he is to Bradley and Tyler. And I know sometimes you guys see them here once in a while for church as well. And uh, I'm very grateful for Steve, as I know many of you are as well. And I'm sure, uh, as is the case for many of you with kids here, uh, this week is the last three days of school uh, for my kids. I know they're excited about it. We're also excited and figuring out how summer's going to look and uh, being out of school. But it is, uh, it is time for summer. Summer is here. And uh, I hope that we all are going to have an amazing summer. And so this morning, I wanted to give all of us a spiritual focus for the summer. Does that sound good? get a little spiritual focus for the summer. But first, I want to go back to Steve for a second here. If anybody knows Steve, if any of you know Steve, you know that there's one thing that Steve hates. And one thing that Steve hates is being in the sun, right? If there is shade anywhere, Steve will find it. Whenever we're outside or outdoors at a park, Steve is going to find the shade. And if there isn't any shade for Steve to be in, Steve might just be leaving, right? We need to find some shade for Steve. But if you know Steve, there's also one thing you know that Steve loves. And Steve loves Jesus. And that's important. And so in honor of Steve, our message this morning for summer is soak in the sun. We've got to soak in the sun this summer. I needed a little dad joke in here because we don't just want to soak in the S-U-N, we want to soak in the S-O-N. We want to soak in the sun, we want to soak in Jesus. Now, Jesus is the light of the world. The Bible says Jesus is the light of life. And just like our bodies and our minds for our health, we need sunlight. We do a lot better in sunlight, right? Just the way our bodies and our minds need sunlight, so too our faith begins to die if we don't get time soaking in Jesus. We need to be soaking in Jesus. You know, fortunately, we don't have to watch as many commercials as we used to, right? There's, there's not minutes and minutes of commercials when you're watching a show. But many of you probably remember seeing paper towel commercials, right? And always in a paper towel commercial, it'll show two different paper towels. And there's all the other brands, and then there's our brand. And it'll show two paper towels, right? Like wiping up two different messes or two different spills of something. And 
what you'll always see is one paper towel kind of barely, you know, soaks up whatever it's trying to get. And the other one just absorbs all of it and soaks up all of it. Right. And so that should be us today. We want to aim to be the person who's soaking in as much of Jesus as possible, where you're not kind of just like dabbling a little bit of Jesus. Oh, I got some of them. No, we want to be the person who's soaking in as much of Jesus as possible to know him as much as possible and to be like him as much as possible. And so I want to look at his story today. You could turn over to Matthew chapter 17. A story in Matthew 17 known as the transfiguration of Jesus. And this passage, this story, this was a time where Jesus allowed three of his closest disciples to get to see him a little more fully than anybody else had before. And I believe this was a special experience for them and something that Jesus, Jesus wants all of us to aim for as well, is to have this time where we get to see Jesus a little more clearly than we have before. And so in Matthew chapter 17, we'll read verses 1 to 9, but start with verses 1 to 3. You guys with me? Matthew 17, verse 1. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. In the book of Luke in this story, it adds that, that he took them up on the mountain to get some time in prayer together. But even more than that, in verse 2, it says, there he was transfigured before them, or you could just say transformed. His shape, his form changed before them. It says his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. You know, we'll continue this passage in a second here, but really what's happening here is about halfway through Jesus's ministry, he takes three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on a mountain for this life-changing experience. And I think one of the main points of Jesus doing this is he wanted them, Jesus wanted them to see more clearly who he really was. Up to this point, right, they had, they had heard him teach, they had seen some miracles, but Jesus wanted them to see even more of who he was. And so Jesus transfigures or transforms before them. And I love what it says about Jesus here. It says his face shone like the sun. Or if you could just imagine this brightness, this radiance coming from Jesus that would have made them have to turn away from him, right? And it says his clothes became as white as light, probably resembling Jesus's holiness, his purity, right? His, his further radiance. And then it says that they saw Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And really, Moses and Elijah, as many of you know, were two of the most respected figures in the Old Testament. Here was Moses, right, who was the giver of the law, and he's kind of there talking with Jesus, representing the law, that the law is there. Moses is there talking with Jesus. And then you've got Elijah, right, one of the greatest, if not known as the greatest prophet. And so here's the law, and the prophets they're talking with, communing with Jesus, showing that they respect Jesus, that they are in fellowship with Jesus. 
And for the three disciples there, this would have been such an incredible experience to go, wow, we knew Jesus was awesome, but he's even so much greater than we understood up to this point. And just like them, for us, seeing this passage should lead to a greater awe of Jesus, a greater amazement of Jesus, a greater respect and admiration of Jesus. Like I said, they had seen some miracles. They had heard some teachings, but they needed to grasp even more deeply who Jesus was. And so how about you this morning? Right For all of us, it's important to reflect. Have you settled for the sum of Jesus you already know, or do you want to see more? Right? Do you feel like, you know, I kind of already saw enough, I've changed enough, I've heard enough, I've read this passage before, or do you have this heart of, man, Jesus, I want to see even more of you. I want to know you even better. And I think that's what Jesus wants in all of us, is a heart of, take me up on the mountain, Jesus, and help me to know you even better. And so let's keep reading here in verse 4. So after he shines in front of them like the sun, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. That's like the understatement of the hour, right? And he says, if you wish, I will put up three shelters or three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. You know, Peter's request to put up three tents, it seems nice, and I think it was uh, from a good heart, but really him offering these three tents, it would kind of indicate that the three of them are of equal honor and of equal footing. But really, Jesus is above the law and above the prophets. And so Peter, even in this moment, kind of still has to realize even more just, just who Jesus is. And so while he's in the middle of offering this, God kind of just straight up interrupts Peter, right? He comes down in this bright cloud and it says, while Peter was still speaking, God just kind of speaks up to make it very clear who Jesus is is. And so God appears in a bright cloud over them. And this would probably draw to mind all of us that this is like when the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years. And this cloud was an indication of God's presence there with them in this moment. And it says that God spoke to them from the cloud, just like God used to speak to Moses from the cloud in the desert. And so now here is God through this bright cloud speaking to them. And I think it's interesting that God says the same things that he said when Jesus was baptized as he was coming up out of the water. And these are some important things that he says about Jesus. And the four main things he says is, this is my son, right? Making it clear that, that Jesus was of God, that he was the son of God. And then he says, whom I love. Thirdly, he says, with him, I am well pleased. And lastly, if not to state the obvious, he says, listen to him, meaning not just hear what he says, but obey him, follow him. Now, I believe God interrupted Peter because Peter needed to hear this. 
And I think he's saying these things because we need to hear them as well. We've got to get this. Who Jesus is, is so important. And all today, we've got to get that Jesus is not just another good man. Jesus is not just another lawgiver. He's not just another prophet, another religious leader. Jesus is not a path to God. He is not a good option. Jesus is God. He is the option. Jesus is not just a prophet. He is the voice of God. He is God's representative. Jesus is our savior. He is our king. He is our law. He is our Lord. He is our teacher. Right? What God says about Jesus, we've got to get. This is God's son. And so if we're looking to say, well, how does God want me to live? I was created to be like God in the image of God. Well, if this is God's son, then this is who we should look to to see, well, how should I live as a child of God? Right? He says, this is whom I, him I love, right? And so we should love Jesus. This is whom we should love as well. And then he says, this is who he is pleased with. And so Jesus is who we should be pleased with as well. And so rather than looking to people as our example, or rather than looking to people for love or to find fulfillment from or pleasing people, we should look to Jesus and soak in Jesus. Because the truth is that nothing and no one can or will ever satisfy like Jesus can. No other person, no career, no status, no one or nothing is like Jesus. And I really believe that the more that we see Jesus, the more we hear Jesus, the more that we believe Jesus, then the more we will love him and the more we will listen to him. Like God said to do at the end there, listen to him. And so this morning is this, how you are looking to Jesus to be the one to satisfy you, to be the one whose example you follow, to be the one whom you love and you are pleased with. Let's keep going here in verse six. You guys still with me? In verse six, it says, when the disciples heard this, and so this should be how we hear this as well. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. You know, one of the important things we got to know about Jesus is that Jesus being God in the flesh on earth, that Jesus shows us who God is. So if you want to know, well, what is God like, right? I grew up with different experiences. I've heard different things. If you want to know, well, what is God really like? Then you can look at Jesus, right? And when we look at Jesus in this passage, there's a couple things we see about who God is. And first of all, we've got to see that he is a God of blinding holiness, right? That he is a God who deserves our reverence, our respect, our fear, our worship, a God who, if we really understand who he is, our natural response would be to fall face down on the ground, terrified. Right, that this is the God, that God, that holy God, shining brightly that I can't even look at. That is the God whom I sinned against and who I need mercy, forgiveness, and grace from. Jesus shows us that that is who God is. 
But then Jesus also shows us that God is a God who from that holiness, from that place of reverence, that God is also the God who comes to us, who stoops down when we're terrified, who bends down to our level to lift us up from there. Right, that Jesus, that God is a God who is not turned off at all. He's not intimidated at all by our mess, by our sin, by our weakness, by our mistakes. That doesn't scare him off. And we see that in Jesus as he calls them to get up, don't be afraid. And calls us, calls them to follow him. And I really believe too that when we follow Jesus, the things that God said about Jesus, he says about us as well. This is my son or daughter, whom I love, with him or with her, I am well pleased. But I think it's really important that we see God, that we see Jesus both of these ways in our life. That we see Jesus both as this God of holiness, of radiance, worthy of respect and honor and fear. But that we also see this God of grace, of mercy, who stoops down, who loves us, who calls us, who wants us and says, don't be afraid. And so this morning, which of these do you need to connect with more as who God is in your life? And it's important we see him in the fullness of who he is. Amen? Amen. The last bit here, verses 8 and 9. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. You know, I love this line right here. It says, after they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus, right? What a, what a great line to try to live our lives by, right? There's, there's always so much going on, so many people in the picture, but to try to get to this place where we see no one except Jesus, right? They didn't see Moses anymore, not Elijah, maybe not even each other, right? It just says they just were looking at Jesus. You know, through this whole process that we read here, through this whole experience, they had to kind of deal with a limited perspective of who Jesus was, maybe some false perspective. They had to deal with some fear. But by the end, Jesus was all they could see. And really, that's the best way to see is when we're just looking at Jesus. You know, today, is there any situation, is there any fear or situation seizing you where maybe you just need to focus on Jesus more? to find the courage to face it and to not be afraid. Now, maybe there's some perspective on your life or on yourself, some perspective on the world or on the church or discipleship that you need to clarify by seeing Jesus more closely. I know for me, I need to realize this sometimes when kind of different situations and challenges come up in my life or come up in the world or come up in the church. And I could get stuck looking at different things. I could get stuck in these situations, maybe focusing on people too much. Well, what do they feel? What do they think? What are they going to say? Or maybe I get too focused on fears that I have. I could get focused on the, well, what ifs? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? Insecurity about myself or uh, maybe conflict that I don't want to deal with. And, and these things can get me stuck focusing on what I feel or what I want or what I see. And when this stuff happens, I need to realize that I'm soaking up the world and I'm soaking up people, but I'm not soaking up Jesus. Right? And really what we need to be doing is soaking up Jesus. 
The truth is as much as we want to say, oh, I think for myself, I'm independent and all that stuff. The reality is we're all sponges, right? We're, we're human. We are all sponges. We're picking up stuff every day. We're picking up, we're soaking up how to think about things, how to feel, how to live, what to do, what's true, what's right, what to spend money on, what to focus our life on. We're soaking in a lot of different things. And in the world we live, especially with social media and all of this stuff, there are a thousand different voices. There are a thousand different views. But at the end of the day, there is only one God. And that God said, this is my son. Listen to him. Jesus is the voice we need to listen to. And so we need to keep learning, keep focusing on Jesus, who Jesus is. What does Jesus say? Well, what did Jesus do? So what should I do? What did Jesus do for me? What is Jesus calling me to do in this situation? Or maybe when you're facing something, asking, man, where is Jesus in this? Or how can I bring Jesus into this more? You know, like a sponge, when you're squeezed, what will come out is whatever you've been soaking in, right? When you have a dry sponge and it soaks stuff up, when you squeeze it, whatever you soaked up is going to be what's going to come out, right? And so when life squeezes you, when you go through testing or hardship or temptation, if you've been soaking up Jesus, then that's what's going to come out. Faith, righteousness, being a light. But if you've been soaking in worldly attitudes or worldly thinking, then that's going to be what comes out. Now, as we do all of this soaking in Jesus that we need to be doing, really it should be changing us. You know, the the word here for transfigured is this word metamorpho, and it has the same root as the word metanoia. And we know metanoia means what? Repentance, to change, right? To, To be transformed from the inside out, inner change. And as Jesus was transfigured before them, it should transform them on the inside as well. Right? The more they saw Jesus clearly, the more they needed to change themselves. And that's true for us as well. The more we see Jesus, the more we should be transforming into him so that he's what we're soaking in so that when we're squeezed, Jesus is what comes out. Amen? Amen. And so recently in your life, if you think about this past week or this past month, right, when you've been overwhelmed, when you've been tempted with sin, Maybe when you've been in conflict or tension with your spouse, or with your kids, or with a friend or a coworker. When you've been disappointed recently or tested recently, what's been coming out? When you've been squeezed, has Jesus been coming out or has the world been coming out? And we want to see Jesus coming out of us, and so we've got to be soaking in Jesus as much as we can. And so I wanted to save the best part of my sermon for the last year. And so I'm going to ask Chelsea to come up, and she's going to share a little more about how we can practically be soaking in Jesus. Well, I love that how much Jesus got his identity from God being his father. I'm lucky to have a great father who's instilled a healthy identity in me, an identity that I am 
strong. I am loved. I am valuable. I am all those things. And honestly, growing up in this region and having so many extended moms and dads, it's instilled such a healthy identity in me. And I'm so grateful to have grown up with that. But as a disciple, I need to always get first and foremost, most of my identity from Jesus and who Jesus says that I am. Who does, who is Jesus himself? Who does he say I am? And how could I be more like Jesus? One of my favorite verses is John one verse 14. And in the amplified version, I love what it says. It says, and the word Christ became flesh and lived among us. And we actually saw his glory, glory as belongs to the one and only begotten son of the father, the son who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, who is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. So to know my heavenly father, I need to see Jesus. And the best way I can see Jesus, according to this scripture, is through his word, because Jesus is the word lived out in the flesh. And so that's what I've been doing since I became a Christian. 17 years ago, when I was 16, uh, I made a decision to follow Jesus, and I developed a conviction to spend time with Jesus through his word every day. And to this day, if a day goes by where I realize I haven't read my Bible for some reason, I feel icky. And it's similar to like in marriage, when I let distance grow between me and my husband, it's obvious. I feel it. My heart feels off. I feel different. And I feel that with God. If I start to let distance grow in me and my relationship with the Bible and my time in the Bible, I feel off. My heart feels off. My head feels off. Everything feels off. And I, I know that I, I need the Bible every day. Like whenever I have a big decision in my life, I look to the Bible. Um, I've struggled a lot with my mental health off and on throughout the years. And I go to the scriptures on that. Uh, and I'm a big advocate for therapy and medication and all of those things. But I really believe that there's no part of my life that Jesus can't help. There's no part of my life that the Bible can't help. And Jesus is the word. So I go to the word. When I was dating, I studied that in the Bible, you know, even though it's hard to find scriptures on that, the Bible really has, there's no area of my life where the Bible hasn't helped me and hasn't covered. So I found scriptures um, for dating and for romance in the Bible. Um, I've had a lot of grief, obviously, in the past year. And through those times, I sit with the Bible. Sometimes I just sit with it open. Just, and I know even that will help me, just being close to the word physically. I believe that even helps me. Um, but when I decided that I wanted a relationship with Jesus at the young age of 16, I knew that meant I'm going to be in my Bible every day because Jesus is the word and I need Jesus every day. And I still love that. I have so many different Bibles, um, different translations, different colors. They make pretty Bibles. Um, but I love, I love Jesus and I want to be close to him. And that desire to be close to Jesus has led me to want to spend time in the word. And growing up as a, a church kid, a kingdom kid, whatever you want to call it, um, before I became a true disciple, I had a lot of pride in my knowledge of Jesus. And I really thought that I knew who Jesus was just because I heard about him my whole life and went to church my whole life. But when I really studied the Bible, I realized that I knew nothing about actual Jesus. Like I only had secondhand 
knowledge. You know, I could say I know a lot about Beyonce, but I don't actually know Beyonce. Um, and that's what it was like with Jesus. I didn't actually know Jesus. And what I've realized is now after all these years of being a Christian for 17 years, I could still struggle with religious pride of feeling like, well, I must know a lot about Jesus because I've been doing this now for 17 years. But unless I'm really actively continuing to learn about Jesus, I can just become as prideful as I was in the beginning before I was a Christian. And I love this scripture. It centers me because it's so clear that it says that Jesus is the word and he became flesh and he became full of grace and truth. I love that, that the Bible is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. Amen. I love authenticity. And the truth is that, you know, if I, if I only look to people or the temptation to do that now after so many years of looking to spiritual advisors or spiritual mentors or my parents or like looking to people for all my answers, I could still be deceived, even if those people are so awesome, because I really only need to be looking to Jesus at the end of the day. Like Jesus still needs to be my first answer, my first spiritual advisor, my first, the first person I turn to. And that's what I see here when these disciples were tempted to look at Elijah and Moses and feel the same honor that they felt looking at Jesus. Um, that I can feel tempted at times to hear other voices as loudly as I hear Jesus. Um, and that's something I always am asking myself and that we're trying to really instill with the young college students that we're um, influencing, that are we making Jesus our standard as young people or other disciples? Who do we want our standard to be? Who do I want my standard to be? Who am I going to follow? I always want Jesus's voice to be the loudest and hold the most weight in my life. So no matter how long I've been around, I want to keep looking for Jesus and hearing Jesus and never replace his voice with anybody else's voice or replace his grace with my religious pride or confuse his truth with another truth. I want to see the glory of the one and only son of the father through his word. Amen. But like I said, naturally, we're going to be absorbing the world. And so we've got to decide to be intentional if we're going to be soaking up Jesus. And so how can you intentionally focus on soaking up more of Jesus this summer and transforming more into him? You know, we could spend greater time saturating in prayer, having quality prayer times each day, or maybe even special prayer times once a week. Like Chelsea shared, we could be absorbing God's word every day and trying to get into the Bible and get the Bible into us. We could become more like Jesus by just diving into discipleship. Right at the end of the day, you never really know someone until you've walked in their shoes. And so just choosing to be more like Jesus and live more like Jesus is going to help you to soak him in. And we could also just talk about Jesus more, talk with each other, talk with friends, talk with others. Like Jesus said, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the son of man's been raised from the dead. So he does want us to talk about him and he has been raised. So now it's the time to talk about him. So let's talk with other people about Jesus. I hope this morning you can decide to not settle for the sum of Jesus that you already know, but to want to see him more clearly, clearly to want to soak him up even more this summer. We can never get enough of Jesus. So this summer, let's all be sponges. 
Let's soak up and then pour out as much of the sun as we can. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys.